happy fucking Monday, (laughs) y'all. I hope I sound so much better with this microphone because I just invested a nice little chunkaroony on this one. So listening back to the last two episodes, I really felt like if I was going to continue doing this, I needed to invest into a good mic. And I hope that this quality is much better. So let me know. So on last week's ep, we spoke a bit about the history of all my previous jobs and how I kind of got to where I am working full-time in makeup and running my own business. And so today I really want to focus on going from a freelancer, renting a chair, being the only employee or the only income earner in a business to now owning a salon, owning a brand, having four or five staff members and having my own person rent a chair within my salon in my space. And I talk a bit about how I transitioned. I talk about how I rebranded and why I rebranded and just a bit more in depth of how I kind of created the company and came up with everything and step by step pretty much running through the whole experience with you guys today so I hope you enjoy this one and so without further ado we're going to bring in how I started my own business (laughs) so just picking up where I left off in the last episode I spoke to you guys about how um, I had gone from working under a company as like a senior artist or a subcontractor to then leaving that company and kind of creating my own freelance business and I spoke about how I was renting a chair in a hair salon I don't know if I mentioned that but what I was doing was renting a chair or like a station sort of thing like a setup there in a hair salon and I talk a bit about how COVID happened and how that sort of affected me and that I was noticing a huge demand for the beauty industry to come back and start running again. So because of this demand, I kind of got this idea that, I I mean, I'd always wanted to do this, but during this whole coronavirus situation, the whole lockdown, three months of not working, I was doing a whole lot of nothing. So I was kind of just sitting down. I was saving a lot of money because we were getting JobKeeper and I had saved in the couple of months that I had built up working in freelance um, as well as what was what I was earning on top with JobKeeper because I wasn't I didn't need to spend any money. I was pretty much living at home with my parents doing literally nothing. So I saved all that. I had a bit of money under my belt and I was thinking like, you know, do I risk it all? And come back in after COVID and basically start my own, open my own salon. Um, And it was pretty much crazy talk at the time. But I, the more I realized that there was this huge demand for the beauty industry to come back, the more confident I started to feel about, you know what, maybe this might be a good idea and a good time to start because COVID was helping a lot of small businesses. They were giving a lot of business grants. So it was kind of like, It was a good time, but it was still a big risk, if that makes sense. So pretty much in the last kind of a month of lockdown, I just started to do a lot of research on, you know, what you need to do to open up your own salon, um, everything that I need to set up virtually. Started looking at some different properties on the market um, around the sort of area that I was already working in. And the more research I did, the more I was getting super excited and super eager to actually do this. Um, At the same time, I was very nervous, though. I felt like I didn't have a huge amount of savings to kind of back me up. Like I had a bit. I mean, if if we're going to be really straightforward here, I'm just going to tell you guys how much money it took me to start this up because I feel like being transparent like that is really helpful in you guys potentially like you I feel like no one is super honest with this sort of stuff and I wish that I had someone like me tell me how much they had how much they needed to spend because what I thought 
I needed for the business is way less than what I actually did spend. So at the start of 2020, I had probably about, from memory, probably about six grand. And majority of that was spent setting up setting myself up in that hair salon so I had to buy a chair I had to buy a table I had to buy stock Um, I paid for signage logo so I tried to do it as cheaply as I could so that I had a little bit of money under my belt starting so I didn't start with nothing in my account but yeah it was super hard like I didn't have a whole lot of cash flow at the start to kind of play with so we were doing it a little bit old cheapo at the start but I mean, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. You don't need the flashiest things at the start. You really don't. And you know what? If you can start your business with flashy, beautiful things and have this the most amazing salon um, at the start of your business, well, I personally think you've started too late. (laughs) So yeah, didn't start with a lot in my account, but every dollar I made, I really tried to save um, and... I tried to keep the investment back into the business low. Um, I tried to keep my spendings low and I really did. I saved a lot of money in three months and then another two months of COVID. So after that, I managed to build up a savings of about $25,000 in five months, two of those months being in COVID. The funny thing is that I really did think that this was going to be more than enough money to start this business. Like I fully went and told some people, yep, I've got 25 grand. I'm going to do this, this and this, and I'm going to have this much left over and it's going to be great. And I love how optimistic I was. Um, And, you know, that's the sort of attitude I needed at the time to obviously get this thing started. But I was wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was super uneducated on obviously how much it did cost to open a salon. And that was mistake number one, obviously not going and researching properly how much money it is to start. I sort of knew, but I, I just kind of thought that I could do it with the amount of money I had. And I mean, that was pretty ignorant of me, but whatever, you know, that, that helped to get it kind of started that enthusiasm. So I'm glad I was like that. Um, so the first thing I did was I went to go and have a look at some properties and um, just make sure I was buying one in the space that was going to suit me the best. Um, and I knew I wanted to keep it local to where I was, which is like around the Riverwood, Peakhurst, um, Hurstville, Roseland sort of area um, of Sydney. I don't if you if you're not from Sydney, it's kind of like southwesty sort of vibes, more so south than southwest. Um, or like Mid-South, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a really good location for me because it's kind of like central from like where I was coming from, which is Wollongong, to where I was staying at the time. And it's also where a lot of my clients knew me from. So the other salon that I had worked at prior wasn't far from here, so I didn't really want to go too far too far away from where they knew me from because then I'd be losing heaps of clients that way so yeah I knew going in where I sort of wanted to be situated and I think that that's obviously very important to know before you start going into looking at properties so anyway so we look at some properties Um, I think I visited about nine or so properties before I found the one I liked and setting that up was relatively easy. I just went on like the real estate apps and I changed it to renting and um, I went up with my father because I wanted obviously a second opinion and I just feel like no one takes a woman very seriously with this sort of stuff which 
I definitely want to touch base on in another topic. Um, but yeah, I, I had to bring my dad because many reasons, but I'm glad I did. So he gave me a really great kind of perspective on what to look at and what to watch out for and that sort of thing. Like some properties that I thought I might have liked, he didn't like, and he made some good reasonings. He pointed out some good reasons as to why it wouldn't work and then vice versa. Um, some properties he thought would have been great. I pointed out because I guess I know more about like the industry that I'm opening up. I was like, no, this isn't going to work because of ABC. So anyway, funnily enough, the best place that we had found was literally two doors up from the salon that I was already renting at, which is crazy because I didn't even know that it was available. Like I had walked past it virtually every day at work, not even thinking twice about it, but I saw it like available on the apps and I thought, why not? Like it seems pretty big. Um, well, it, it seems like a good size for me. Um, and yeah, I wanted to suss it out. It ended up being literally the perfect spot. And for me, the perfect spot was obviously that it was big enough to fit a beauty salon inside of. It had parking. It was easy access. It was in a central area and it was obviously safe. So this property was great. It ticked most of my boxes, which was amazing. It was 10 times better than all the others that we had looked at on that day. And I was pretty happy to just proceed with that. So then what we had to do was um, pretty much put down an offer. So they have already put down like what obviously the rent is per week and um, how long the lease goes for blah, blah, blah. Um, and then what you have to do is kind of like put down an offer. So that could be like, you could either say that you're going to put less down than what they say is the rent per week. So let's just use an example. The rent's $800 per week and they're going to put, they're going to write that down. They're going to say it's $800 per week, including GST or plus GST, whatever they write. And then you would put your offer down. So you could say, you know what, I'm going to go for $750 and see what they say. Um, depending on how pro- how popular the property is, they could either take that if they're desperate, which I thought they might be during COVID and it had been available for a little while. So I tried that, but it didn't really work um, because there were a few people, funnily enough, looking at the property at the same time. Go figure. Well, that's what they told me. I don't know if I actually believe that, but that's what they told me. So they weren't taking less than what I what they were asking for. They wanted what they were asking for, but that's fine. It was it's a pretty good deal. So I gave I offered them what they were asking for and I offered them um, a three year lease term, I guess you call it. Um, I'm not really good with these names. Like I'm, I just learned this as I went. I was literally a full rookie going into this. So excuse me if I don't use the right terminology because I'm still a rookie at this. I'm still learning as I go. Um, so yeah, we put down for a three-year lease term um, with possible extension, I think it's called. Um, so that could mean like before the three years is up, I can choose to extend it for another three years. Um, and then there's like this thing where they put the price up every year. So then they write like what percent, and I think that's inevitable. So they write like what percentage you want to you want to offer the rate to go up as like for example I could say with a one percent increase I think it's called per year um so yeah that's how you sort of put down your offer and then you've just got to kind of fill it out tell them what the business is and rah 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 so I did that and the guy who I was dealing with was really good like he gave me some advice on what he thinks I should put down Um, And at that point, I had to hire a lawyer because 
going into signing the lease, I didn't want to do that without having some legal advice first and someone to um, help make sure that I'm not getting ripped off or to make sure that the contract has everything that I want to include and they're not including anything that's not written in plain English that I can't understand, which is like I would not have understood anything from that. So it was a really good investment to hire a a lawyer to um, have a look at the lease and the contract. And um, we sat down and once they agreed to my offer, we had just jotted down a few things like obviously because it's COVID, I just wanted to make sure that if there was another wave that I would be looked after somehow, like they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to just kick me out, that sort of a thing. And um, the bond, like they, they were asking for a three-month bond, which was a lot of money. And I was like, can we try and get it down to two months worth of rent as a bond rather than three? Um, because that'll obviously just help me have more money to invest into the fit-out. So yeah, um, that, all those sort of things. Um, so thinking back, like, I feel like I'm missing heaps of steps. So that's that part, like signing the lease and the investment that I put into signing the lease and the steps I took. So definitely I would advise you to hire a lawyer and that cost me around $1,500 give or take to hire that lawyer for the contract. And then my, um, bond that I paid was around from memory four to five thousand dollars also before I could even get the lease signed I had to go and apply for public um, liability and business insurance Um, so yeah you had to get all that done before the lease is done and signed Um, so this is all happening around May June and the lease didn't get signed until July 14th I'm pretty sure it was so there was a bit of a gap in between and for many different reasons there was this gap reason one being I had just worked out virtually that spending money on this lawyer paying for the bond and just signing the lease and getting the CDC done was already going to be out of pocket let's just say 10 to $12,000 roughly. I think that's underselling it, but yeah. So I, I realized that 25 G's is just not going to cut it for this shop. And I in fact go into panic mode and denial and I'm not sure what else. I was just stressed and I wanted to give up basically after I had already gotten the lawyer to go through it, I, yeah, it was just a fucking nightmare, honestly. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I took a step back and I problem solved and I told myself, you are doing this and you're going to figure it out, whether it needs to be borrowing some money or what. I wanted this that badly that I was willing to do that. So my next step was obviously to have a chat to my accountant and see where we're at because I don't think I had even told him at this point my plans, which was another fucking rookie error on my behalf. So I sat down with, see, I'm just very eager and like I'm the type of person where I want something and I want it now and I'm just going to go do it and I'm not even thinking about anything else but the end goal, which is not the best way to be. So we're learning. Um, so I go and talk to my accountant and I'm like, look, this is my plan. This is what I have. And this is what I need to spend so far. I don't think I'm going to have enough money. What's plan B? Because I do want to go ahead with this. And he sent me to a broker and the broker was able to discuss with me how much of a loan I could get. This was all during COVID, like peak COVID. So 
it was quite difficult to get a loan and the the best way I could do it was through like this company um which had a very 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 high interest rate but it was probably the only company that was going to give me a loan like this um during a time like that um and I maybe you're asking why I didn't borrow from my family or someone a loved one look a few people offered I would have like I would have I would love to say I would have loved to take it from them because I know I could have paid it back but that's just not me um and I don't like owing people money I I've never liked owing people money I don't think I could live with myself if I did that so I did this on my own I went through this company it was an overdraft not a loan and what an overdraft is is basically like money that sits in an account and when your money goes past what's in your account like when when it takes out virtually everything from your account then it goes into like this loan that I had I don't think I'm explaining that right but anyway look it up overdraft so that was for fifteen thousand dollars and I set that for 15 because I knew I was going to also be working while this place was getting renovated and I was on a bit of a saving streak I live at home I don't have very high expenses so I knew I was also able to save money so I didn't think I needed that much money but this was more just like a protection for me and it gave me peace of mind so once I got this um well sorry before I could even get this what had happened next was um for them to approve me I needed to provide them with a business plan and I did not have one and I wasn't planning on doing one either again very eager with no means to like actually plan anything out which is so stupid and I'm so glad that things worked out this way because the broker got me to write out a business plan and he sent me like a little template and it was basically like almost like a questionnaire which made it super easy to fill out and it just made you think of things that you wouldn't have thought of before but are super helpful going forward like um, budgeting obviously and um, strategizing and you know thinking about your competitors thinking about your consumers who's your consumer market all that sort of fun stuff so it got me really thinking and it got me thinking about my two-year plan my five-year plan my 10-year plan so it was really good that I could actually sit down and plan out this business and plan out my goals for this business and plan out all of that stuff so that I'm going into this organized now um so yeah, so we did that and we got the loan approved and I was able to get the lease signed and now we were moving on to the two-month period of me not paying rent. It, it's like a rent-free period so that I could go under construction. So I have the CDC guy, um, which is a the guy that comes in and does the complying development certificate, I think it is. I could have just pulled that out of my ass. I'm not sure what CDC stands for again. But he came and he had to go through the whole property and see like where there were issues of any safety hazards or like um, he had to, for example, he had to have a look at the emergency light when if all the powers go out and stuff like that um so all of that sort of stuff he had to have a look at I I mean I'm not I'm just gonna skim past this sort of stuff because you don't really need to know this stuff that's their job you you just need to know that this may be something that you need so the reason I needed it is because the property before I leased it was a real estate office and I'm now changing this into a beauty salon. 
So because of that, it's a change of use, which means different hours, different obviously use, and they need to run this through council and they need to run this through um, all the neighbours and strata, which I did not know about that there was strata. I mean, if I think back now, obviously use my common sense, it's like units, obviously it's run through strata, but it was the real estate's job to inform me that it was a strata building and we obviously needed to get strata's approval before going ahead with this, which they did not do. So there's lots of things that, you know, we missed at the time because this is our first time and we didn't do enough research. We didn't understand the process, but we learned as we went on. So moving forward, I now know to check before signing the lease that Strata's approved that this is going to be a beauty salon coming in before actually signing the lease. Because God forbid I've signed the lease, they've now gone and asked Strata after me signing the lease if they approve of a beauty salon coming in as Strata for some reason say no. Well, then what happens to me? Am I going to pay this lease for the next three years with and I can't even use it for the whole reason I want to use it for like what happens at that point I don't even want to know so these are just like tiny little mistakes that may seem small but god forbid they went south like it could have ended really bad so all of this stuff is a lot of pressure and very stressful to go through and I didn't realize how stressful it really was. I developed major anxiety and depression pretty much majority of last year because of this whole business venture. And the reason I really want to touch base on that is because, I mean, no one talks about it and I want to talk about it because it was something real that I went through. And I don't know if a lot of other people go through what I've, I went through, um, and maybe people don't have as many things go wrong, but it's still really stressful and it's still really hard, especially when you don't know what you're doing. Like maybe people have family members who have done this sort of thing before, or they just have a fuck ton of a budget and they can just fucking pay people to do everything and they don't have to worry. But I mean, I didn't really have anything. I didn't have a fuck ton of money. I didn't have experience. My family didn't have experience. It was literally just me and my father going through this together with a very low budget, with no fucking experience, basically begging anyone who was willing to help us get this done. And because of that, we went through so many speed bumps because obviously when you don't go through through things with lots of money or lots of experience, you're going to run into some mistakes and you may have missed some things and all of that, like that, all of that, there were so many things that just didn't add up and didn't go my way. And I'd cry myself to sleep so many different nights because I was so worried, like, this is all going to get taken away from me. I'm not going to have enough money. You know, this might collapse. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I might get in trouble for this. Am I not doing this properly? Is this legally correct? Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, it was just, I, I really didn't know. And I there were so many moments where I was like, I want to give up. Like I, I would just, I'd storm into my dad's office and I'd be like, dad, that's it. Like, that's it. I want to quit. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let you do this. Like, no, we've worked this hard. You can do this. I'm going to help you. We've got this together. Like, this is going to be amazing. And it's all going to work out. We just have a few more speed bumps to go through and we're going to get through this. Like, you're doing well. We recapped on like the plan and yeah. So if I, you know, if I didn't have this guy by my side helping me, I don't know what I would have done. And I'm so thankful that I had him to go through this with, um, because yeah, I, you know, some people just aren't so lucky to have a shit ton of money and, or experience from their families. 
So that, uh, yeah, I went on a bit of a tangent. Sorry. Um, going back to the CDC guys, um, I just want to quickly touch base on that topic a little bit longer and then we'll move on. So for a little while there, we were debating whether it was going to be what they call a DA approval or a CDC. The easiest way for me to explain the, the difference between the two is a DA takes longer, costs more, and is fucking more annoying because there's a whole process behind it. And I think it's like a development approval. And I, yeah, I didn't think that was necessary, but we didn't have a lot of help um, in the advice section of like what we needed to do. Like even when we asked counsel, when we asked external companies, they were like, yeah, it's DA. But now that I think back, I'm like, I think that they just said DA because it would have made them more money because we ended up going through a CDC, which is a bit different. Sorry, guys. Which is a bit different. Um, CDC is more just, I think it's a complying development. I don't know what what the last C is, but it's a little bit different because it's... um, just someone coming in and basically making sure the workspace is safe to work in. And if you're changing the use, they just basically have it all written down. You have your floor plan. They run through the floor plan to make sure that it's all safe and it all works well together. And then they give you the certificate to say that you can work there. And the DA is just like, get has to get the council involved, has to get like all the people around me involved, like the neighbors and stuff. And it's like a three month waiting period. Whereas the CDC was just like, it kind of got done within the space of one month, if that, and it's much cheaper. So yeah, that was a major bitch to go through because so many people told us it was a DA, then so many people told us it was a CDC. Trying to figure out the bloody difference between the two and what was right for me was enough of a fucking headache. And then, you know, finding someone to do the CDC and who was willing to go through it, like, oh, it was just chaotic. And yeah, you some people don't even need to do either. They're so lucky. Like, but because I have... um I have a skin needling lady in the salon and I'm doing eyebrow waxing. I needed to, I needed to go through that. I didn't really have a choice. So then they also like, um, make sure you need to have things like a sink in the room and like a sterilizer and like all that sort of stuff. But it was good because that I didn't know I needed all that. And that's another, again, that's another step teaching me things that I need and yeah, like it's all a learning curve at the end of the day. I then had to move on to obviously starting the construction. And once the CDC was completed and I had all my ducks in a row, I had the plumber, the electrician, the builder all sorted and set out like the guy who was doing my reception desk. I had the people who were doing my cabinets. I had set out budgets for how much all of that was going to cost as well as how much I had planned to spend on all my stock and my decor. Um, I could get started on that but none of that could get started until that CDC had been completed because if I had started construction before that was completed um, and let's just say the it didn't get approved, um, then I would have been in big trouble. So once it was all done, I could start getting the whole process of the construction started. Someone had to project manage this whole thing, and maybe if you had a great big budget, again, you could hire a whole external company to come in and just do the whole fucking fit out for you, but... Here's little old me with my little stupid 25k budget plus that extra 15 plus what I was working like a dog for every cent I could save. I didn't have a major budget here so there was no way I could pay an external company to come in and do my whole fit out for me. 
I got quotes just out of curiosity and the quotes just for the fit out, not for stock, not for anything else like, um, you know, my website, my logo, any of that, like the decor, any of that sort of stuff, literally just the base fit out. The cheapest quote I got was 75000 which is pretty good, but not something I could afford. And to be quite honest with you, when I had done my budgeting and planning and the external people that I had organized, I wasn't even spending anywhere near that for what they could have done for me. It was basically just paying for the convenience of giving them the keys and then saying, righto, you've got four weeks to go do that and I don't have to stress about it. Um, so I didn't really have the choice to make that. I didn't really have the option, sorry, to make that choice to have that convenience. I had no choice. If I wanted this done, I had to do it myself. I had to project manage the whole thing myself. Um, so we organized all the contractors to come in and start doing the work. I had the plans. I had the four plans going. I had where I wanted everything, like the, obviously the sinks, where I wanted all the lighting, all the power plugs, where I wanted the reception, where I wanted the um, feature lights. Like you really have to think of everything in great detail, where I wanted the waiting area, exactly what position I wanted, exactly what mirror and what station so that the lighting could fit exactly perfect. And that the the little um, power outlet thingy on the wall could go right next to where I wanted the stations. Like you have to think of all of that in great detail and make sure that it is all in the plan and everyone is aware and everyone's running on track and no one's in each other's way and things that things that need to be done first are getting done first. And then you got to call the plumber back to finish the job after the builder builds the wall. Like it's this whole thing that I have never, ever done, nor even thought about, nor knew anything about. So it was, yeah, it was all very overwhelming, but kind of fun. And I felt like a little boss bitch doing everything, but I'll tell you what, I did not feel the respect from the contractors that came in. I've got to be honest, like be embarrassing for them, but they used to always go and call my dad and try and speak to my dad. And my dad would literally be like to them, I don't know why you're calling me. My daughter's running the show. You need to call her and talk to her about it. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I fucking hate men. I'm sorry. Um, So... Yeah, so that got all done. I think I did that pretty well. No one got in each other's way. It all got done in a good amount of time. There were no issues, thank God. So I'm super proud of myself for managing all of that. And once all the fit out was done, um, that took about a few weeks. By the time they ripped out all the floors, because it was an office before there were big like glass petitions. There was like five separate offices and I was going for an open floor plan. So we had to rip out all these glass petitions and like all the flooring around it and all the wiring. So it was a big job and having to find people to do all of this on a budget was hard enough on its own. And then, we tried to get, you know, help from like my brother. My brother did all the flooring for me. Thank God. My grandparents came in and ripped out all the fucking petitions themselves. And we had to get rid of the glass and we had to pay for all this, all this money to get rid of the glass and throw that into the, um, into the, the big garbage places. (laughs) What are these things called? Oh my God. I'm terrible with my words. You know, the big, garbage places the dump yeah we had to go pay to get rid of that that was very expensive so yeah this got all done while this was happening though while I was project managing all this shit while this was all under construction I was two doors down working like a fucking mad woman saving every cent I can get taking every booking I could get 
working until, you know, fucking God knows what hour, starting at God knows what hour, like whatever I could do to get the money to get this thing started. Because now I was just hungry to get in. Like now I was just really excited and it was all just happening really fast. Um, but also not fast enough. So while that was also happening, I had to obviously come up with the branding and with the, um, the whole website, the booking system had to be changed over to the new brand. All of that stuff needed to be done. So that was all stuff that I could do at home. So after hours, I'd go to work. I'd be running between work and next door, making sure they're all good, making sure um, they all have their keys and everyone's all on schedule and there's no issues going on there. And then... Um, I would go home and I would work on the branding and I would work on all of that sort of stuff, like rebranding the business. Cause I was Monica Mazevsky and I rebranded into I create beauty. So maybe you're asking, why did you rebrand Monica? Well, I will tell you, I rebranded because I didn't want Monica Mazevsky on that shop window when I had planned to have staff, when I had planned to have a brand and when I planned to obviously not be there 24 seven working forever, just me. So it didn't make sense to have my name on the window and on the walls and everywhere when I planned to have other people working under the brand and representing the brand like, I just think it's so funny. Like, maybe it's it's different because, like, if you have a very marketable name um, and it looks and sounds cool, like, some people do it and it works really well. Um, Michael Kors is a good example of something I could think of. Um, I don't know what else. What's another brand I could think of? But there's a few makeup artists and, and hairdressers that do – that and it it kind of does work for them like Natalie Ann does that um Melissa Sassine is another one who does that and I guess that kind of works for her but I personally don't like that and it's not for me like I don't really give a fuck about my name on the wall to be honest like I don't really to be quite frank with you I actually want quite the opposite of that I don't want my name tied to the business I would rather it be a brand and no one actually knows who the owner is as opposed to my name in big bold letters on the front window so that they have someone to point their finger at and so that they have you know someone to say no she's the owner like I want her Monica that's the owner of the business because I've had that like and I still continue to have that even though I have it as a different brand I still continue to have people say no, I want the owner because my wedding's my wedding's gonna have four hundred people, so I want the owner to do my makeup. Like I don't care about that shit, and I hate that people care about that fucking shit because it doesn't mean anything. My staff are just as talented as I am, if not fucking more talented, because they're younger and they are way better than I ever was at their age. So they deserve just as much as the limelight as I do. Because they're working just as hard as I am. Oh my God, I just went on to another tangent. Sorry. Um, But yeah, that's why I decided to change it to a brand. And I came up with the name I Create Beauty. Um, It was kind of like inspired by a tattoo I have on my wrist. It says um, create on it. And I wanted to kind of play on the word create. And I really loved I Create and I, initially I was going to call the salon I Create, but a salon name as I Create didn't really make sense. Like a few people were like, you need to add something on the end of that. Like needs to be like, I Create Faces, I Create Beauty or something like that. So I ended up going with I Create Beauty, but I didn't really want people to think that I Create Beauty meant that we create beauty literally because that's not 
it's it's kind of weird like interpret it how you will but the the way I kind of wanted the brand to be interpreted is it's I it's actually I create comma beauty like beauty is what we do and the brand is I create but people will interpret it how they will and that doesn't really matter to me anyway but I create beauty is more marketable it's easier to promote as a brand and as a team rather than Monica Mazevsky makeup and beauty you know like just no <laughs> so once I've gotten that done and the website's getting done the branding's done the decor and like the color scheme is getting organized now it's all kind of happening I have saved so much money because I've worked so hard now and basically burnt myself out working to pay for this salon that I haven't even touched that $15,000 overdraft. I haven't even looked at it. It's just sitting there like in this little app that I had downloaded and it was untouched and it was coming to the final weeks of I'm about to launch real soon and I haven't even touched it, nor do I think I need to. So I was really happy with myself about that. I was really pleased to know that I ended up saving all my money that I made, lived off virtually nothing, bought myself nothing, lived at home with my parents, had no bills. Obviously, it was more than achievable to do. Um so yeah I I fucking paid for everything just outright like that and I was super fucking proud of myself for doing that and I called that fucking stupid bank up with the stupid expensive um interest rate and I told them that I want to close the account and I had to pay like a stupid fee of like 20 bucks to close it but whatever like it was there because just in case you know I was happy to pay the 20 bucks just in case I needed it but if I didn't pay that off the interest rate was I can't even remember what the interest rate was it was so high it was so high if I didn't pay that off the 15 grand easily would have doubled in the space of six months that's how high it was fucking dumb I can't believe how crazy this whole situation was but yeah I feel like I've skipped heaps of steps here and I've kind of skimmed past everything but I just wanted to kind of like go through step by step all everything I sort of went through to get to the point of launch and a little bit talk a little bit about like the struggles and and the speed bumps that I ran into and how they could have affected me and how this all affected me emotionally because people just don't talk about this shit. Like I listen to podcasts all the time and never have I heard a podcast who was actually open and said, this is how I felt. I cried myself to sleep every single night. I was fucking depressed. I had no money. This is, this is how we did this. And And this is why this happened because of this reason. Nobody is that in, nobody's that detailed and that open and transparent. And, um, I fucking hate society for that. I wish that people were just more transparent about this shit because at the end of the day, we all go through speed bumps along in our lives and we all have emotion and, we're all on the same sort of journey. Like, why are we not helping each other out? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they are people hiding their tips and tricks? Like, are people, why are people making it out like it's so easy when it's not? <laughs> like, I refuse to believe that any business owner who's sort of on the same track as me, who like, you know, doesn't have the huge amount of funds and the huge amount of experience, I refuse to sit there to believe it's actually quite easy you're fucking lying. Who are you lying to? Why are you trying to make yourself seem better? Like you're lying. That's all I have to say. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you guys that if you hear otherwise, they're probably fucking lying. I'm not sure how it was so easy for other people, but not a single regret. Okay. By the way, 
not a single regret. I'm actually grateful now looking back that I went through what I went through. It has made me a stronger person. It has made me realize that these sort of things are not that easy and I'm more realistic with myself now moving forward. And everyone starts somewhere. No one starts off being a professional at shop fit outs or, you know, no one starts off being an incredible project manager and everything's just incredible and they won the lotto and they've just made this beautiful big salon out of nothing. Like everyone starts with some troubles and it's just humbled me a little bit. (laughs) Anyway, um, I feel like I went on a huge tangent going on a little bit of a rampage but I got a bit upset because I just feel like people are just not honest enough these days like nobody is just real anymore but you know what instead of being fired up I'm just gonna do the opposite I'm going to just put myself out there and be as transparent as I can and as honest and open as I can about everything and just hope that you know, people listening don't have to go through so much or don't have to feel a certain way or don't have to feel like they're living up to a certain standard that I've set because I've gone and said, no, opening a shop is so easy. You're not going to have any trouble. Like, or no, I started with so much money in my account. No, no, I had no fucking money (laughs) and I had no experience and I struggled And I'm telling you, most people probably do. Anyway, again, here I go again. I put up a little question box on my Instagram story because I wanted you guys to just ask me any business related questions that I could answer towards the end of the podcast that can hopefully help you if you are looking to open up a business or if you're just curious. So I just want to go through a few different questions that I got that I'd like to answer. Um, and the first question I got is, what is one thing that you would have done differently? I like this question because there's a lot of things that I would have done differently. But if I'm going to say one, I would definitely say that I wish I just had a bit more money saved up before I went and jumped into something like this and I know I said before if you started it and it's perfect the first time then you started it too late but my shop is far from perfect and I went through a lot emotionally and like trying to problem solve because of the whole money situation so moving forward it would have been much easier if I did have just a bigger budget to work with in lots of different cases. I mean, I made it work, but ideally, if I had to pick one thing, it would be definitely that. What is the best and worst thing about having your own business? I also love this one. Um, Best thing is calling your own shots, having your own freedom, having staff that look up to you, coming up with your own ideas and being able to implement them without having to ask anyone and just taking all the profit from it and doing what you will with it. Oh my God, the list goes on. There's so many good things about having a business. When I used to be employed by other people or even just working in Um, renting in a store I used to think all the time oh I have this amazing idea and I just wish I had my own space to be able to implement this and now having my own space just to give you one quick example is doing one-on-one lessons like there was just no room for that and I had all these plans of being able to like having all these different stations and where I would set up like my stand and how I would educate the people and where they'd all be sectioned. And I, I implemented all that when I was doing the design of the, the salon. So I could use that for future classes that I want to hold. So that's just another little good example of how great it is to have your own business and be able to do things like that for that will 
suit me and I made everything to suit me and benefit me. I didn't have to think about anyone else. So that's one of the best things about having your own business. Um, the worst, I want to say, dealing with having to deal with the clients myself, like not having that third party in between person um, to just do all the work for you and take the blame for you and take the, the heat for you. Like when I was employed by the other company I used to work for, if we had people whinging about wanting their deposit back, I didn't have to deal with that and that wasn't really my problem. But now, um, especially having staff, like, you know, if you have uh, Karen so mean but like if you have a Karen coming in basically a Karen situation I'm going to call it where they come and try and attack your business because let's just give you a little scenario of something that actually recently just happened that I need to rant about so this is a perfect opportunity so we had a little bit of a Karen situation a client's come in they're complaining about COVID restrictions had to cancel their their booking so we've they've called and they wanted to reschedule their booking we've rescheduled it the only time we could reschedule it to was to another artist we made them aware of that we changed it over Bob's your uncle it was all good to go they've come back they're now saying no this is not good enough I want my money back we didn't ask for this I wanted the main person this is not who I asked for whatever the hell they're whinging about and carrying on about and there's no third party person to deal with this. I have to deal with this. I have to liaise with the client. I have to act professional towards the client. I can't just, and this is another thing. It's the hardest thing about having your own business. Like I'm such a savage person. Like if this was to happen in just an everyday situation, I would rip you apart like happily, but I obviously can't do that. In a business situation, you need to be as professional as you can. And it's just so frustrating sometimes the amount of women who come in so entitled and most of them are younger than me or just way older than me and just with are not within their means. And it's just, I can't believe people think that they can get away with the way that they are, but it's irrespective of that, like having to deal with that in itself is one of the worst things about running your business but with time you get better at it and with time it's just nothing you just flick it off your shoulder like a bit of dust and you move on to the next thing but the first couple of months even just the first year of having to deal with that within your own business is really hard because you're still learning as you go um and, you know, I've, I've made mistakes um, the way I've spoken to clients before. And, I, I, you know, that's how I've learned to how to be more professional. Like now I've showed my friends the way I respond and my friends are like, you're so fucking good at this. Like, I can't believe the level of professionalism that the way you respond. But believe me, I haven't always been this way. Like I've definitely made my mistakes and I've seen my friends make mistakes in their businesses and I've had to learn from that. So it's all a big learning curve at the end of the day. I'm just going to leave it at those two questions because I have a fair few others, but I feel like these are better questions to ask in another episode that I have planned coming later. And we're already almost at an hour. So Maybe I should just leave it here. Wow. <laughs> um, I spoke for so long this episode and I feel like the more I'm getting used to this whole thing, the comfortable, the more comfortable I'm getting. And I really love the way I've been speaking on this episode. So please give me your feedback if you actually like prefer me to be more like this rather than hi guys. Welcome back to my podcast because I feel like that's how I was on my first one. But I think people will prefer this more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening all the way through. I hope that 
you enjoyed me being nice and open and honest with you all. Can you pretty please download this episode because it actually helps me a lot. So I appreciate that muchly. Really enjoying this whole podcasting thing. It's super fun. And I will see you in next week's episode. Lots of love. Bye.